Hello! So, some pre-episode commentary here. Um, as we said previously on the last episode, we have a new release of the space shooter game that runs in your terminal called Terminal Phase coming out soon. And as you know, you can be in the credits of both Terminal Phase and this podcast by joining our Patreon and selecting a tier. That is patreon.com slash fossandcrafts. And on that note, thank you to our new patrons in the supporter tier. Thank you to Andrew O'Brien, Nick, Benny Chernovsky-Paskin, and Marty McGuire. And on that note, this episode is about the Federated Social Web, both past, present, and future. And as you may know, um, I had involvement in ActivityPub, and so that's a lot of what this episode is about. But I'm also now CTO of the Sprightly Network Communities Institute. So, if you are invested in the future of the decentralized social web, we would encourage you to donate to the Sprightly Institute at sprightly.institute slash donate. Thanks. Hello, and welcome to Foss and Crafts. A podcast about free software, free culture, and making things together. With my co-host... Morgan. And my co-host, Christine. So, we are in the car again. We sometimes do this for time management reasons, because we have to drive somewhere, and we might as well use that time recording a podcast, but also for topics where we have a certain level of expertise, but are a little bit stressful for us to cover, so it's easier for me to just, you know, push Christine into a car and say, stop working on outlines. Yes, that is true. That is a thing that happens, including this time. Definitely, this is an episode where I have a lot of domain expertise, and there's a lot to say, I think. Mm -hmm. So, you're all probably familiar with certain changes happening on the very popular social media platform, Twitter. And also on Facebook, actually, because Facebook's taken a dive, too. But it's especially Twitter, Elon Musk buying Twitter, and... All the things that are happening there. You know, we kind of debated how much of this episode should be about how much it appears that Elon Musk is screwing this whole thing up in kind of a hilarious way, which I think is kind of hilarious and also disturbing simultaneously, or how much we should kind of focus on what we actually want to see. And we kind of landed at... Mostly focusing on what we want to see. So this right now is a really important time for decentralized social media because it is getting a lot of attention right now. Well, yeah, and also people need a place to go. I mean, so let's just summarize what this present moment is, right? So Elon Musk bought Twitter. There's also some kind of vaguely or not so vaguely transphobic stuff that's involved in kind of that purchase, especially uh, what got Elon motivated. And I, I think that there's a lot of been some other coverage of that, and we're not going to focus on that in this episode. But the amount of turnover that's happening at Twitter, how quickly, and also the amount of policy changes makes it seem like I think most people are coming away with the impression that that's not going to be the same site they thought it was anymore very soon. And that might be both in the literal sense in that they're firing the people who know how to maintain it and therefore it's going to break very quickly. And also in the uh, more broad sense of the social changes that Twitter might be undertaking. Definitely is undertaking, yes. So we're not going to get into those. 
we are more interested in kind of what can be done to move things in a in a positive direction, not with Twitter, which I think is probably hopeless and dead at this point. Well, and because of those both structural and social changes to Twitter, a lot of people who have not been on the Fediverse before have started migrating to the Fediverse. That's right. We're now at the point where I just saw a post from Gargron, the lead developer of Mastodon, saying that we are at about 2 million active users every day on the Fediverse, as far as can be told from the metrics that are incoming, which are not comprehensive. So it's probably actually more than that. That's pretty new. And I started getting a bunch of things in my Twitter feed from academic Twitter about switching over to Mastodon, so I had kind of my worlds colliding there. Yeah. So let's give a preview of kind of the rest of the episode. What are we going to kind of say at a high level? Let's give a roadmap. Well, first we're going to just define what the Fediverse is, especially for those people who may not necessarily have been involved in, you know, the decentralized social web to begin with. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to talk about some of the ways in which the Fediverse is well equipped for this, this moment in time in history. And some of the ways that the Fediverse is not yet equipped to deal with this level of volume and this transition. And we'll also talk about a better future for the Fediverse and decentralized social media in general, which, as you may know, if you've listened to this podcast before, is directly related to my work. Yeah. So, Christine, what is the Fediverse? So that's kind of a name that's used for the Federated Social Web, which is really decentralized social web. These days, it generally refers to the activity pub specification and the use thereof. Federation means, you know, different nodes basically talking to each other and, and sharing information. So in building decentralized social networks, you need a federation standard generally. ActivityPub is that standard and also a standard I was involved in standardizing at the World Wide Web Consortium. So I am a domain expert on this particular topic. You were one of the primary authors and editors of the ActivityPub spec, but the Fediverse predates that, right? Yes, and also I am not the only author and co-editor of that spec. It was also Jessica Tallon, Aaron Shepard, Evan Perdromo, and Amy Guy were the other authors of that specification, and it was specified at the World Wide Web Consortium, at the Social Web Working Group, had a number of people participating in it, and it was an attempt to be able to build a broad-ranging standard for handling decentralized social media that tried to get as much buy-in as it could across different projects that were participating in that domain. Because previously, there were a bunch of decentralized social web technologies, and they all couldn't talk to each other. So ActivityPub's main goal and success was in getting different sites to be able to talk to each other. Yeah, so can you give a quick example of the different platforms talking to each other? Yes, so for example... If you can be on a website like PeerTube for if you're posting videos, which kind of has like a YouTube type functionality or something like PixelFed for posting images, and you can respond, favorite, reply to those from a more text-based social media system like Floroma. Yeah, so if you posted a video using PeerTube, right. I could use my Octodon.social Mastodon account to comment on PeerTube. That's right. Yes, that's right. So the, the spec is very general in that way. 
Okay, so we kind of breezed past the history a little bit, but as I said, the Fediverse predated the activity pub spec, so can you give just a really brief history? So in a certain sense, you could say decentralized social media has been around a long time. Email is in a certain sense, the oldest. Lots of different servers are able to talk to each other and people can communicate across it. But there's been all sorts of other things. XMPP for chat, but also the big predecessor to ActivityPub was OStatus, which appeared in the StatusNet days, basically. And that was started by Evan Prodromo. After Evan worked on Status.net, he went to go create something called Pump.io. There was also Diaspora that appeared around that time also. Unfortunately, a whole bunch of different projects also appeared around that time and could not talk to each other. So ActivityPub, when it became standardized, was appearing in an era where there were a bunch of these different kinds of decentralized projects that couldn't talk to each other. And it began its basis off of the Pump.io API. And that's how Jessica Talon and I got involved in standardizing, is that we were trying to find out how to implement Federation for Media Goblin, and Jessica was implementing the Pump API at the time. So there's more there about how ActivityPub got standardized and everything. We said we'd do a separate episode. Mm-hmm. But that's a brief history that I we had to re-record about five times because that was as brief as I could get it. We've said the word decentralized many times already this episode. So what does that actually mean in terms of how, say, Mastodon is different from, say, Twitter? Well, with Twitter, there is one big entity that controls the entire network, right? A corporate entity. That's right. And their name is Twitter, right? And the difference with, you know, the Fediverse is that anyone can run a node, right? It's very simple. You know, Twitter centralized Mm -hmm. with everybody being able to run their own node and with the nodes being able to talk to each other across ActivityPub, it's decentralized, right? It's not one particular entity in control. I think that's really probably a simple enough explanation, right? It is. The reason that I wanted to bring it up, though, is because... For the people who have been on and have been working on decentralized social media, that's the point, right? We wanted something where there wasn't one centralized entity that had control over things. But for a lot of the people who are migrating from Twitter, right, that's not the point of them joining. The point of them joining is that the bird site is burning and the bird is burning. Right, yeah. So we are seeing an influx of people who had previously not cared particularly about centralization. A lot of them are starting to care about centralization and decentralization. Especially with the way that the bird site is burning. That's right. But it wasn't a a big motivator previously. So So that has led some people who are migrating to have frustrations. Most of them are migrating specifically to Mastodon because that is the most similar microblogging platform. To Twitter, but that means that you have to first pick an instance to use instead of just going to one website and just signing up for an account. And those instances... Pick an instance or, or host your own. Or host your own. And each of those instances are going to have their own moderators, and a lot of them have their own moderation protocols and stuff like that. And also might have kind of different cultural things they focus on. And so on and so forth. By the way, I have big opinions about the way that this ended up rolling out, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. So one side note I would like to make before we move on to the next point is that most of those nodes 
most of those instances are run by just people who are doing it in their spare time or are volunteering. There's a very small handful of people who get paid to work on this technology, but it's not like Twitter, which had, you know... Thousands of... Thousands I think of about 8,000 employees before it started to get cut down. Yeah, so if you are new to the Fediverse, it is free to use, but... If your instance is being run by a moderator who is it, just volunteering. It's, it may be free to, for you to use in some ways. It is not free to run an instance mm-hmm. is, a, is the point that you're making. Yeah, right? so if your moderator has a Patreon, maybe support them a little bit on Patreon. Or whatever other donation platform they would accept. But yeah. Just before we move on from the what is the Fediverse, just a couple other things for maybe new people to uh, keep in mind. One, all social media has a learning curve, right? You've maybe been on Twitter for the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. But when you first started on Twitter, you had to figure out, one, how the interface worked, two, how the social interactions worked, and you've just gotten into that pace. So it might be difficult to use Mastodon or what other, whatever other uh, federated social media things you're switching to now, but that happens with almost any new interface. Right. I think that's true. Actually, I had a friend set up a new Twitter account recently, and they were like, oh my god, the onboarding for Twitter is so freaking difficult, and I had forgotten because I had been on there for a very long time. So I think that it is a bit more challenging in that there are some difficult things like favoriting across instances and stuff like that. And is, choosing which instance. And choosing which use. instance is more difficult, but it is not as big of a hurdle as I think people make. And there's also cultural differences of Mm -hmm. expectations, which is the other thing you wanted to bring up, right? Yeah. So the Fediverse is not just, I mean, we we have this conversation about free software in general, where we don't want our free software projects to be just the free software version of insert X proprietary software here, right? So the Fediverse is not just a free software Twitter alternative. It had a specific reason for developing it as decentralized, and it's not Twitter. So a lot of what you end up seeing is kind of, some of it is cultural, right? Like the the Fediverse has been historically extremely queer, right? Since, let's say, the activity pub type generation, which was largely developed by queer people, and yourself included myself included and including also implementation developers uh, not quite a number of mastodon's key contributors kind of set the tone by pushing for certain features and pushing for certain kind of cultural norms that were to support queer communities that did not feel well supported by twitter so there are kind of different ways in which people you know i guess for lack of better terms there's kind of different it's just different cultural norms, right? Mm-hmm. But there's also some things like the way that people do content warnings, which is never the way that I thought were the right way to do content warnings, but still what's the tool we have. And there's also the way that moderation is done that like it takes some amount of adjustment to understand how those things work and what the difference is. And also here's another big thing. There's no central algorithm that's like some corporation deciding what's going to increase their ad revenue the most by, you know, driving and maximizing your engagement. So the way that, like, 
content gets proliferated is actually very different on the Fediverse than it typically is on Twitter. So, I feel like we could do an entire separate episode about the social norms and aspects of the Fediverse. In fact, Christine and I hosted two different uh, years of Activity Pub Conference, and there are several interesting talks that we could share the recordings of in the show notes that cover this in a little bit more detail, but we should move on. For you, you hosted. I did not do any hosting of that, but yes. You were more like the MC. I was the. I, I was. Host. I was the excitement gatherer. So we're going to move on now, though, to why the Fediverse is the best equipped to handle this transition. Yeah. So one thing is is that it's already here, right? So this Activity Pub, the Fediverse, all the different types of software that's on it, these things have been in development for quite a few years and have had users, you know, kind of battle testing it for quite a while. Not at this level of volume, but the software is typically pretty well developed and pretty well used. And all considering, it's kind of surprising just how well the Fediverse is holding up, considering the massive influx of users appearing here. And I think we're kind of seeing the assumption that, well, it's only possible to have a, you know, a really large scale system like this. If it's a single entity running it, that's that's turning out to not be true. And I think that there are good architectural reasons why having this software having been around and actually being developed thoughtfully, and also the the, the specification, I think, being there for people to coordinate, coordinate around, has meant that we're in a pretty good pace. And it's also kind of the one option people have. Mm-hmm. So one thing that's happening right now is people are kind of getting the impression that this is like the Mastodon network, right? Journalists especially are kind of focusing on this. This is the Mastodon network. And A, kind of feels a little bit disappointing. Kind of feel a little bit written out of history for like that that kind of work. And not just me, but like a lot of people who put in work on this. But B, there's actually something positive there though, which is that towards the end of ActivityPub standardization, ActivityPub probably would have fallen apart if it weren't for Mastodon adopting it. We were running out of time standards-wise, and we got another extension basically because Mastodon announced they were going to pick up ActivityPub because it was useful for completing some of their needs. And that automatically bumped the number of people who were actively implementing ActivityPub. It bumped it dramatically, and it made ActivityPub... That plus ActivityPub being something that was actively being standardized and ratified by the W3C meant that it was in a good place to actually be, you know, accepted effectively as, like, you know, the thing that people would rally around. Um, So a lot of the people listening to this when we say the Fediverse might be primarily thinking of Mastodon. But the Fediverse is much larger and much more versatile than just Mastodon alone. In in some ways, I think of it as kind of like, in the mid-to-late 2000s, there was an extremely popular distribution of GNU Linux called Ubuntu. And it was so popular that people would call, like, all Linux distributions Ubuntu, right? They would just be like, oh, I see you're running Ubuntu on that computer. And, like, I have friends who, like, worked at Fedora or, you know, and also I was running Debian. And you would see people get really, really annoyed by this. But on the other hand, Ubuntu at that time, it is really gone south, by the way. But at that time, Ubuntu was doing a good job of getting people excited, making people feel like they had a good entry point. Mm-hmm. And... 
it's kind of understandable how people started to use that use that kind of as a shorthand, basically. Then, and it was one of the easiest for not programmers to pick up, right? Like you started me on Ubuntu. I did. It was basically just you know it had a nice installer. It had a, just a lot of nice things that were just kind of like good enough. It had a good graphic user interface. I mean, the the funny thing though is is that it was using the graphic interface of GNOME, right? Up until it ended up switching off and doing its own thing. That's a separate rant, but that's it's kind of related, you know. Like it kind of got overcredited, and that's that's the part where things people would be frustrated. But it still did build a massive amount of zeitgeist, and people only have so much time in their lives. So nowadays, you don't hear people generally saying, "Oh, it looks like you're running Ubuntu the way that they used to." That's entirely possible that that could be what ends up happening in the future. Mastodon could remain huge in the way that it is, or it could just kind of drop off. I think it's pretty likely that the word Fediverse is going to stick around, whether or not ActivityPub is the main thing. But even if Mastodon you know, comes and goes, and we just don't know how long it's going to stay dominant in that way. Yeah. And to be fair, both Christine and I have Mastodon accounts and have for a long time. So yep. th- this is nothing against Mastodon, just saying that, you know, it's bigger. Right. So, those are the ways that the Fediverse is currently the best equipped. But there are also a lot of ways that the Fediverse is not currently equipped to handle this transition. Yes, and some of that is, if you hear any Fediverse admins out there complaining about their sidekick queues, then you know that some of it is a certain amount of scaling challenge and that, like, this is the first time we're seeing this level of scale, mm-hmm. and so people are trying to figure out how to deal with it. And I think that also Mastodon in particular was kind of... I shouldn't harp too hard on it. I don't think it's the right architecture. But I think that's kind of why you see people complaining about the, the sidekick queues there. But it's still, you know, doing a nice job getting people up and running. For the people who are new to the Fediverse, when people first started migrating in mass to Mastodon as opposed to Twitter, there were a lot of people who were complaining that they found an instance that they liked and they tried to set up an account, but they couldn't because uh, the moderators didn't have the resources to add that many people in volume. Yep. ActivityPub is basically a fundamental framework here for the software to rally around, right? And I'm proud of the work we did on that. For various reasons, there were certain pieces that we were not able to specify in the standard. And also, there were kind of things that appeared as kind of extensions later. Well, and you can't always figure out what needs to be said until you get to the point where it needed to have been said. Yes, but we were also told, do not specify authentication and authorization in the standard because it's not enough convergence over what the right way to do that was yet. Mm -hmm. And I agree. If we had tried to specify... Uh, authentication and authorization there, it would have been specifying some sort of access control list type approach, which sort of the worst thing possible has happened on the uh, the Fediverse, and that we have kind of implied access control lists, which um, are a nightmare scenario. I will leave that for later. ActivityPub's fundamentals are pretty good, though. It's a decentralized actor model type framework. If you cut it down to that most minimal thing, it looks pretty good, but it just doesn't give you enough to kind of answer all the questions of how should this this thing should completely work. And so a lot has been filled in, and for good reasons, because it is the easiest way to be able to 
succeed when, you know, the problem space is so large that you're trying to figure out how to fill in the gaps, people fill it in with what they know, right? And a lot of the biggest challenges with ActivityPub, there are a few challenges of things that we put in this spec that I have regrets on. But for the most part, no, it's actually pretty good. It's really the places where we didn't specify things, where I think things have gotten the worst, which we'll kind of get into that a bit more. But before we get to those specifically, I mentioned that authentication and authorization, those those missing are kind of a problem. But the other big challenge is, why should users have to care at all what instance they go on? Now, this is not something I ever anticipated would be so important. When we were writing the ActivityPub specification, I think none of us thought that, you know, what instance are you on was going to be that huge of a question. We were thinking more along the lines of email, right? With email, which domain name you're on is not a huge cultural indicator, right? And communities didn't ha- don't happen at the email domain name level as much. How broad do people end up using Gmail accounts for? It's a, it's as broad as you could possibly imagine, right? Community doesn't happen on the instance level primarily there. There's a small amount of it, but it's not huge, mm-hmm. right? So one of the things that happened when Fediverse stuff started to pop up, though, is there's kind of a brilliant marketing strategy by, I think, Mastodon in some ways that also created a huge problem. And it's kind of a natural thing for them to do. It's so demoralizing in some ways. <laughs> Sorry to run an instance for a bunch of people sometimes. The best way that you can feel excited about it is to run a community, right? And so I'm running this the Mastodon community for X, right? You know, for pixel artists. Over there, they're running the Mastodon community for people who have certain types of accessibility needs. Over here, we're running the, you know, PureTube instance for, you know, academics, right? Over here, we're doing XYZ, right? This doesn't sound like such a big problem, but... When it comes to moderation, this actually does create a huge problem because of something called context collapse. So this is already a problem on centralized social networks, right? It's like when Facebook started rolling out, people suddenly started getting tagged for appearing at the bar or whatever, and their employers started getting mad at them and saying, like, you're, you're making us look bad or something like that, whereas they were able to do that previously, right? And that was, that was fine because they had different contexts that they were living within. That kind of context collapse is happening on the Fediverse, and it's, you know, when you squish, remove all the contexts in which interactions occur, so having these different contexts across instances, and then having communities happening at the instance level, each community has different needs in terms of its moderation needs. And so the biggest thing that we end up seeing is something called Fedadrama, which is, you know, drama about how the Fediverse particularly runs, right? Mm-hmm. And you see, you know, oh, block this instance, don't block this instance. And that's for good reasons, because the current tooling that we have, the only options you have are block lists and allow lists, right? Like, that is the fundamental tooling you have to keep the moderation on this stuff alive. The problem is that that leads to, you know, block lists are your first approach, right? You know, okay, these people are bad, let's let's block them. And I wrote out all this stuff in a document a while ago called OCAPPUP. But then you end up moving to allow lists and you say, okay, well, gosh, it's too hard to be able to filter through. Now that we have, you know, thousands of instances appearing all the time, blocking all these things seems too hard. Let's go to allow lists instead, right? But what ends up happening is 
you know, the Venn diagram between all these different sites eventually ends up becoming only about five websites are really trusted in the broader network because it's hard to vet every site. Suddenly, if you're on one of these sites that's not in the top five of mostly trusted sites, you're not known, you're not trusted, right? And it's kind of like what's happened with email, right? It's very hard to run your own email server because self-hosting email is like a nightmarish thing these days. Like your reputation has become too large of a problem. You end up uh, in spam for people who have the larger email. That's right. That's right. So the problem is, is that this is just not a robust approach for handling spam and abuse. It is important to moderate to prevent spam and abuse. That is important. The Fediverse has about as good of tooling as you could possibly imagine for block list and allow list type stuff. It is not good enough to serve the needs of varied communities and also the ways in which people are multifaceted. Mm -hmm. It is kind of holding up, but it's it's never great. That said, whenever there's a new influx of people, you see the same kind of anxieties over this, you know, kind of the conventional tooling that ended up hearing about moderation. By the way, Mastodon-style content warnings, I advocated for Tumblr-style tags instead some of them mark sensitive i think that would be a much better approach that would lead to a much less drama but i didn't win that fight but anyway the tooling that exists content warnings as they exist on the fediverse are still better than most tooling that people have elsewhere and once people are here for long enough it's kind of as you said people kind of get a sense of like what's kind of culturally expected right so to a certain extent there's kind of like a constraint solver across most of the instances out there where there's like, you know, kind of a certain amount of netiquette that's being expected. And eventually people kind of settle into what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. However, it's still not good enough to serve people being multifaceted and having many different communities. So that's my yeah. big my big criticism of all that. That's what I call the nation statification of the Fediverse, where like the instances you become part of become as important as like kind of citizenship. And thus, you end up with the same kind of problems that we actually see with nation states in the physical space, which is like border guards. Yeah, except with the added stress of sometimes those nation states just disappear. Yes, right. Okay, so this is the other things, right? So the other one is you shouldn't have to worry too much about which instance you're on because you should be able to, if an instance goes down, instantly and seamlessly just move your content to another place. It shouldn't actually matter. So the instances should actually vanish almost to the background. Also, it is too hard to self-host these things. Mm -hmm. It should be the case that nobody is actually self-hosting almost anything. This should be a much more peer-to-peer system. Um, I've written out a lot about how to do this type of stuff. This episode does not have enough space in it to talk about that in detail. We'll link to some more detailed descriptions in the show notes. Right. And so also... You know, not only should people's identities be able to move, but content should be able to survive moving from place to place. And we should also be able to take the load off of instances for serving content. I think that content address storage, kind of like what people have in IPFS, would be very important and helpful to be able to make this stuff succeed. Anyway, I've given enough of a ramble on where I think the problems are. So what do you think uh, needs to be done for the future of decentralized social media? Which, again... This is literally Christine's career, so Christine could talk about it for probably the rest of her career. But 
in the short space of time in this podcast. Yes, especially as we are quickly approaching home. This is basically why I started the Spraley Project and why we co-founded the Spraley Institute, right? Is to better serve the next generation of network community stuff, right, and architecture. There are other people out there working on their own directions of things. I think that a lot of this has been written out in the documents that I've been working on with OCAP Pub, with other types of things. We are also implementing a lot of the solutions here at the Spratly Institute. I think this is too big of a topic to completely cover right here. What I will say is that all those issues that we discussed previously, we have answers to it, but they are things that are better understood by actually seeing the solutions and also taking more time to talk about them. So we're kind of focusing more on the problem space here and saying, if you're interested more in the solution space, maybe you should actually look more at kind of the episodes we have done about Sprightly, which we'll link in the show notes and also the presentations that Randy and I have given and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think we should end on some shout outs. So let's shout out to all the instance administrators. All of the extremely tired and overworked instance administrators who have had a rough few weeks. They are doing the Lord's work in trying to keep the Fediverse able to absorb the massive amount of uh, incoming content and materials, let's say, that's happening. Shoutouts to everybody who is involved in all that. Also, shout out to all of the newcomers, the people who have recently gotten their Fediverse accounts set up and are new to this entire space. I welcome you and, you know, stick with it. It might be a bit rough at the beginning, but you'll get the hang of it. And we hope to have you in our communities. And also shout outs to all the older timers who have been around on the Fediverse for a long time. It's the fact that we've had good communities, that it's been actually possible for this to be something that can absorb the current influx of the bird sight burning, basically. And finally, 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 shout outs to all the people who are implementing the software in Mastodon, in Pleroma, in PureTube, in PixelFed, in MistKey, in... Gosh, there there are too many things right now, right? You know, ForgeFed... All sorts of things. There is a massive amount of work that has gone into making this stuff possible. Not nearly enough people get enough credit, is what I will say. And I think that's it from my perspective. What about you? Yeah, and we will link to lots of resources in the show notes uh, for introductions to the Fediverse and the future of the Fediverse and things like that. Cool. On that wonderful note, Thanks, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. Hope you're enjoying the Fediverse. And look forward to all the wonderful ways in which things will evolve and change in the future. Yep. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Foss and Crafts is released under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International License. It's hosted by Morgan Lemmerweber and Christine Lemmerweber. The intro music is composed by Christine Lemmerweber, meaning myself, in Milky Tracker, and is released under the same license as the show. The outro music is Enchanted Tiki 86, composed by Alex Smith of The Cynic Project, and is waved into the public domain under CC0 1.0. See cynicmusic.com for more information. 
you can get in contact with us on the Fediverse, Foss and Crafts at Octodon.social, on Twitter as at Foss and Crafts, or you can email us podcast at fossandcrafts.org. We also have a chat room. Join our community on hash fossandcrafts on irc.libera.chat. If you'd like to support the show, you can donate at patreon.com forward slash fossandcrafts. That's it for this week. Until next time, stay free. And stay crafty. All right. Going through people on motorcycles. Yes. Tick tock, 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 tick tock. It's about to go turn, right? It's gotta be. It's gotta be. All right, arrow. Oh no, that's not. Dun 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 Mr. Sandman Bring me a dream Make him the cutest that I've ever seen Dun 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 making the but something roses and we're turning Boop 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 Okay we can resume the podcast now